Um, well, welcome everybody to the Genius Brewing live stream. This is a live stream that we do uh, every single Sunday morning. And for those of you who haven't tuned in before, the format goes, we talk about some genius news or general beer news, things that are either going on here in the tap room or things that are going on in the beer world outside of genius. Uh, then we go into beer of the week where we break down a style and talk about our favorite malt tops and yeasts to use in that style. Um, and then we go into one or two discussion topics, depending on how much time we have and you know how much information we have to talk about on the topic. And then we go into some Q and A. So, and we kind of do Q and A throughout. And so, if you got questions, feel free to ask them, and we'll try to answer them as they pop up. Um, but without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into some Genus Brewing news. Genus Brewing news. We got a new seltzer on tap, Dragon Fruit. It is pink and delicious. Yes, it is. That is that is definitely something, uh, something it's that something. Is, you should you should drink. It's pretty fun because it's got a combination of like a like like citrusiness, but also with that almost passion fruity kind of like tropicalness. So it's it's got some fun flavors at play, and it goes really well with a dry effervescent seltzery body. Definitely, uh, Ascorb's video is up. We talked about that last week, but we're going to talk about it again. So go watch it. Definitely. And uh, we've gotten some fun comments on it. Most of them positive. Some of them being like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. And to those, I say, uh, okay. Like, cool story, bro. <laughs> what, what, what's, what's your evidence? Like, besides the internet? Yep. How many times have you done it? Show us. I mean, honestly, like literally, if you want to say we're wrong about something, show us where you actually did it. You have the evidence for it. Come back and then we'll test it out and make sure that it's actually accurate. Yeah. If you just want to say, oh, it's all on the Internet, then watch us. <laughs> uh, Brew Noob's tasting this week. And so we've got a, a video where Josh and Warren did a video and it's they're, they're doing a grain of glass. Um, so uh, really fun blueberry ale uh, that they got to brew. And then Tim and I could just get to taste it and tell them how good or bad they did and what they might do to improve. And so hopefully a different angle from uh, Genus Brewing where you can kind of get a you know, a, a, an experience from someone who might be either on the same level as you, maybe less experienced, maybe more experienced. Uh, and then you can get to see some critiques instead of just watching us brew everything. Yeah. Um, they will definitely make some common mistakes that, uh, you know, most new brewers will be making and we'll be calling them out for it and saying they did a good job, at least on camera. Yeah. Um, holiday Friendsgiving, that's today. So uh, we're, do we're doing a little holiday staff and, and, and people related to staff kind of party. Um, and that is today. And I made a brisket. And Josh also made a brisket. And uh, uh, they're the same brisket. And we're going to deep fry it Nashville hot style. Nashville hot deep fried biscuit. We got some other delicious things coming in there. I smoked the spiral ham last night with some cherry glaze. That nice. Cherry bourbon glaze. Oh, that uh, might go. That might know, that might go pretty good with my pairing. My pairing yeah. suggestion for ham. I think we got uh, some pork belly coming in. Um, yeah. Shrimp fried rice from Ryan because because he's Asian. Because he, he he is actually, uh, and you know shrimp make him feel better about himself. That's right. Because they are the same as him. Delicious. Um, yeah, that's all I got for. Do you got anything <clears throat> else for Genius Brand News or? Um, I did. I did actually have a have a thought for this. Uh, you know, pertains a little bit to beer, um, but you know, uh, so since uh, since the world is like seventy percent water, but it's not carbonated, that would that would make the Earth flat, right? <laughs> I think they got me with this argument. Like, I I cannot argue against that. It it it's 
it's flat. Yeah, that's true. Uh, um, Unless I mean, somebody gets out there with a whole bunch of CO2 and carbonates the ocean, which I would also like to see. I mean, technically, I think we're kind of working on that. Yeah, well, well <laughs> a little bit. It's absorbing more and more. That's for darn sure. Uh, there's probably some, some level of CO2 in, in solution at, at, across the know, entire globe. It's, it's effervescent. Not quite flat, but definitely not carbonated. I've seen some seafoam. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Actually, I mean, like... I don't know. There's part of me that when you get those really big like sea foam crashes before uh, before storms, where there's just feet and feet of foam, mm-hmm. and that would be fun to play in. Bubbles, uh, kind of gross, but fun. All right, you know, that's what that, showers are for. That's right. I think that uh, brings us on to our beer of the week. Bump bump bump. Beer of the week. Yeah. And today we're doing Scottish export style. There's a couple of different things in the Scottish range, uh, ranging from Scottish light, Scottish heavy, which really isn't that heavy. It's like, you know, still maxes out at like 3.9% alcohol, um, to Scottish export, and then all the way up to Scottish wee heavy, which is the wee heaviest. Is the wee heaviest. But today we're talking about Scottish export, which is kind of the most, I would say, universally drinkable, at least for uh, American palates, because we mm-hmm. tend to not drink too many things under 4, 4.5%, four and, um, and we kind of stick in that 5 to 6%. So that's N- kind of where this lies. Not Scudder, Scottish pub beer, but what Americans think that would be, basically. A little bit, little bit stronger and, you know less sessionable at a higher alcohol but still pretty easily sessionable it's gonna gonna be a delicious style of beer 100 percent. all right so uh all right malt of the week or no wait you put that way up top instead of the end weird uh overall impression oh you know actually yeast and beast that's uh, has that good not, not full scott they're scott ish that's right and that's a uh, actually Actually, a good statement on that. What a, what a lot of Americans think is a Scottish beer is a Scotch beer, which is in the, a little bit higher than what this is. Not quite the wee heavy range, but a little bit a little bit bigger than what this style is. Scotch. Scottish. Overall impressions is uh, for a Scottish export, a malt-focused, generally caramelly beer uh, with perhaps a few esters and occasionally butterscotch aftertaste. I personally steer clear of the butterscotch aftertaste because um, I ferment my scotch ales on the uh, on the cold side and then do a ramp at the end or a VDK, not a VDK rest, but I guess in this case it would be. It's kind of the same idea uh, as a VDK rest, but not expressly for um, the VDKs. Yeah. So, <laughs> Damon, I do not off the top of my head know the height of my drip trays off the tap. We put that there by putting a growler under and making sure there was room, and we figured it out. Also, get a life. Why are you trying to get advice on our live stream right now when you know you can come to outside hours? Uh, Be a better brewer. That's right. Just show up. Go come here and measure it right now. Yeah. You can sit in the background. Well, <laughs> you know, it might improve the show, especially if you fall. Realistically, all we did, it wasn't a standardized height. All we did was we stuck glasses under and growlers under, and we said, this looks like about as much room as I need. Yeah, that was literally it. Um, yeah, because you are literally you're texting sending us, us messages on the live, live stream. stream. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what's hard to understand about that. We're doing a live stream right now. <laughs> That's going right. to be a really fun argument when people are listening it's on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, who are they arguing with randomly? <laughs> uh, one of the guys, he's actually starting No Drought Brewing Company. He comes to us for advice a lot. He just really has horrible timing about it right now. So, you know, we're, we're going to talk about it on live stream. So we're going to make fun of him. All right. Uh, overall <laughs> impression. Uh, I don't know if you got... I got this, to this. Uh, uh, I didn't get to the hops part. Uh, oh, yeah. The hops part. Yeah. Uh, 
I like the butterscotch af aftertaste on there, actually. Uh, it's not full caramel, and you shouldn't be putting caramel malts into this because you shouldn't be putting caramel malts into anything, but this is not a beer to put caramel malts in, dang it. Uh, hops only to balance and support the malt. Uh, it's actually something really important to remember that hops don't really go grow in Scotland very well. It is very, very moist and damp there, as well as much colder than what hops generally prefer. Not that you can't get them to grow, but it's just a lot harder. So at the time, the Scottish would have to buy hops from the English. And if you don't know how the Scottish feel about the English, you should. Uh, so they didn't do that and didn't put very many hops in and that's a pretty big characteristic of this it, There should only be enough to balance it out And in fact a lot of the times adding other herbs into it like heather wouldn't be inappropriate to achieve some of that bitterness without hops uh, The malt character can range from dry and grainy to rich toasty and caramely, but is never roasty and especially 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 never has a peat smoke character this is beer not whiskey there's a difference that's right so a lot of people kind of confuse that they think scotch and they think scott or they think they see scotch ale or scottish style beers and they think scotch um it's not true uh there can be a subtle smokiness that comes from the yeast sometimes uh, but that's not the same kind of smokiness that you perceive it's something you really really got to try to pick out if you can taste it also damon i'm pretty confident i could deadlift more than you I, I think by how much Peter can deadlift more than you, I'm pretty confident on that one. Yeah, I can also probably bench more than you. I mean, bench, you know, you know, maybe you, you got some pretty nice moves, uh, you know, you got some muscle behind those, but at least deadlift. Yeah, no, uh, I can do both by a lot. Anyway, that's a very important thing is that peat character should not be in traditional Scottish beers. If you make a peated beer, you just made a smoked beer and it needs to be in an entirely different category. Not that they aren't delicious, but that is not something that should be in this beer. Um, appearance is going to be a pale copper to very dark brown, um, kind of like you expect most Scotch ales. They kind of range in that mid-red to kind of almost garnety red, um, but it can go dark with a little bit of subtle roast character. Um, it can go into that darker kind of realm. Um, but yeah, they can also sit on the lighter end of the spectrum. Actual statistics-wise... Uh, they sit between 13 and 22 SRM. So 13 is going to be kind of that bottom end of the orangey spectrum. Yeah. Um, and it should be very, very red in color, garnet in color when you're looking through it. Even if you do get some uh, color from darker malts, you shouldn't be taking on any of the brown aspects of those malts. No brown, brown. We ain't going downtown to brown town. It's, it says pale copper to very dark brown and i don't agree with the very dark brown it should be very yeah. dark red yeah i like to get that garnety uh but a subtle amount of roast character is uh, you know allowable so i can see how you can get there we just don't do it <laughs> we just uh don't do it. I, I mean i would stay away from roast and a little bit more into the toast side but yeah anyway aroma low to medium maltiness often with flavors of toasted breadcrumbs lady fingers and english biscuits I think that would be cannibalism with ladyfingers. Yeah. Uh, they're actually very delicious uh, desserts, and I enjoy this. You know, you're getting that biscuitiness in there. You're getting toasted bread. You're getting, like, the bread crust flavor without actually getting into roastiness for it. I know ladyfingers as a cookie, but yeah. at the same time, my brain goes a completely different you're direction right. when I think of ladyfingers. Yeah. I'm like, uh, eh. Magic fingers? It's not supposed to taste fishy. Um, <laughs> We're cheesy. Hmm. Uh, 
Yeah, it's low to medium caramel and butterscotch is allowable. Uh, again, when we do when we ferment low and then raise up for a uh, for a kind of just finish out the beer, not a not a VDK rest, but usually it, d- it diminishes any butterscotchy from uh, um, you know the potential diacetyl world um but it's allowable and sometimes it's appropriate with all the extra esters and stuff that are going on um and tim likes it well but i like the butterscotch <clears throat> more than the caramel when you uh, the sweetness the caramely sweetness shouldn't be from caramel malts it should be more from a process here and you're not looking for an overly sweet sugar caramel flavor in there having a little bit more depth in the butterscotch is something i would rather see than it overloaded with caramel Tons of caramel malt. Yeah, we don't use any caramel malts than ours. We use a lot of uh, caramel hybrids, but uh, uh, regardless. Uh, Speaking of malts, I picked Halcyon for our malts of the week. Surprise, surprise. Those of you who don't know, Halcyon, listen to every other podcast we've ever done. Um, And uh, for those of you who do, you already know. Let's go on to... Uh, Well, again, here in Aroma, peat smoke is inappropriate i'm gonna keep hitting it on that because we just don't and we have a comment from damon american style versus true scottish style you just man there is no american style scottish ale there's a scottish style scottish ale there's americans who make it wrong if you put it in the smoked beer cat if you were to categorize it if you put smoke in it, it's got to be in a smoked beer category not in a scotch ale category the rest of his uh, question there was more smoke in american style and again there's no american style scotch there's a scottish style scotch if there's smoke in it it's a smoked beer not a scottish beer um pome fruit is a so part of the fruitiness that they're saying in aroma pome fruit actually um, don't know what apple fruit. apple uh, uh, pom uh, literally is the french word for apple pome uh, you know, uh, fun fact of the week, what they call a potato is pomme de terre, uh, which is apple of the earth. Yeah. Fun faps with fat Timothy. Nailed it. You, you so nailed it. Flavor <laughs> on there. Entirely malt focused with flavor, flavors ranging from pale bready malt with caramel overtones to rich toasty malt with roasted accents, but never roasty or a combination thereof. And this actually goes into a comment we have here, Daniel. Uh, I kind of like a little bit of roast in a wee heavy, but the uh, problem is it goes too far after one ounce in a five gallon batch. And so that is absurd how much that comes through. And that that comment in here with roasted accents, but never roasty, you're never trying to hit the roasted taste column yeah but you're trying to give impressions of roast which is why we kind of disagreed back on the appearance with it going to a very dark brown because dark brown usually suggests that roast character being pretty prominent and so we like to see the garnet and with our maybe a roast accent that'll just enough roasts to pop the red yeah uh fruity esters are not required but add depth yet are never high that was a weird sentence to read uh basically it's trying to say there is a little bit of fruit and that's kind of what we were talking about earlier the palm flavor that little bit of green apple that can be in there very present in a lot of english scottish irish style beers in there uh don't overdo it it shouldn't be huge and in your face but having some of that fruity characters in there is really nice as well as uh, a little bit of fruitiness coming from some darker more specialty roasted or uh 
malts. malts. Yeah, a lot of that fruitiness comes from the grains. Like if you're using special B or special X for a lot of your colorization, that's going to give you that dried date figgy kind of fruits. But that's it. That's different than fruit esters from the yeast, which is why we talked about fermenting this one on the colder side. Um, again, Scotch ale yeast can actually go strangely cold. I think the lowest it can ferment. Um, still pretty rapidly is like 58 degrees now which is pretty low for most ale strains um, i fermented it as low as 55 for a scotch lager once and didn't really taste much like a scotch at all but it was a fun experiment um and uh, i wouldn't ferment it too much over like 65 even though it says its range is probably up to like 68 um because uh, at the warmer end, it does start to produce a lot of those Englishy esters, which kind of bring this into a different, different world of uh, of beer style. So you want to get a lot of fruity accents from your malts that you use. Special X is one of our favorites to use, uh, and you want to ferment this a little bit on the cleaner side. So let's say 62, and then towards the end of fermentation, maybe bump it up to 68 to 70, just to make sure it finishes out. Yeah. Uh, let's see where are we going on this uh, hops. No to low hop flavor is allowed and should be of traditional English character. Again, Scottish didn't want to pay English taxes, and it makes sense because, you know, that uh, the British Isles history and stuff. Uh, so they didn't use very many hops in it, and this should not be a very hop-forward beer, if a hoppy beer at all. They should just balance out some of that sweetness. Uh, finish ranges from rich and malty to dry and grainy always always going after the malts most of the time you're going to be a little bit more rich a little bit more malty than on the dry and grainy side but on the lighter end of the spectrum you're hitting that dry and grainy a subtle butterscotch character is acceptable however burnt sugars are not and this is when I see the butterscotch in there, when I'm thinking of butterscotch, I'm not actually uh, thinking of any uh, diacetyl butter or anything, diacetyl butter or anything like that. I'm thinking more of a, the caramelization, not quite Maillard, but caramelization that's going on. I mean, it is Maillard. It's, it's Maillard. Yeah. Uh, and through malt selection, that's giving <clears throat> you more of a butterscotch flavor than a caramel flavor. Again, staying away from the crystal caramel malts. Uh, Malt balance or malt hot balance is always towards the malt, and here it is again. Peat smoke is inappropriate. That's a smoked beer, not a Scottish. Yeah. That said, you can drink a Scottish style beer and smoke a cigar uh, and drink Ooh. some Scotch whiskey all at the same time. That would, I mean, you know, dip your cigar in the Scotch whiskey and then drink it along with the Scotch beer. That's right. And yeah, that'd be. Mm. Uh, Mouthfeel, yes. medium low to medium body, uh, low to moderate carbonation, can be relatively rich and creamy to dry and grainy. So let, when we're talking about numbers here, final gravity between 1.010 and 1.016, and this is for a beer that ranges from 4 to 6%. Um, so 1.016 for a beer that low actually will feel pretty full, especially when you consider the lower carbonation. So if mm. it's not very carbonated, you're not getting that dry, effervescent kind of bubbles dancing off your tongue feeling um all the residual malt sugars of a 1.016 beer at six percent are going to feel a little bit more full so um i don't know why they're saying medium low to medium body i would, I would just call this a medium body especially for the amount of uh, uh for the abv so even 1.010 for a um uh, 3.9% beer is going to feel a little bit fuller than like, uh, you know, you're drinking Bud Light, which is a 4% beer and it finishes at like 1.002. 
It's kind of a scale on that. Even though you're finishing lighter because of the process, the fermentation, the yeast, the malts and everything, it feels creamier because you're not carbon. You shouldn't be carbonating it as high. You're not getting as much lift from the carbonation. The CO2 isn't pulling the beer off your palate. It's sitting heavier on your palate. And I honestly, I think that's kind of how Scottish should be. The Scottish beer should be. To me, it feels like it should be a little bit thicker to drink. Um, I know, you know, I haven't been to Scotland, so I'm making um, assumptions, but a Scottish beer feels like it should be able to pick you up after you walk in from outside and you're like, man, the sun was out, but there's just a little bit of chill dampness here. And I know it's not all Highlands, but in high, in the, in the Highlands, cause you know, Highlander, that's, yeah. that's my version of Scotland yes. is a Scottish Spaniard and a Dutch Scotsman. I the, think he's Dutch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And the, the only reason though that Tim can both deadlift and bench more than Damon is because he's chopped off the head of so many other Highlanders. Oh, that is actually Brewers. 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 Uh, brewers that's, yeah. With our mash paddle. That's right. That. That's how we gain power. Is here. It, it is. That's uh, how we gain all of our knowledge is when you cut off the head of another brewer, you absorb it through some magic uh, malt. Yes. Uh, all right. Relatively <laughs> rich. We're getting on to that. Comments, comments, comments. Uh, Malt-focused ales that gain the vast majority of their character from specialty malts, never the process. Which is a little bit, a little bit different than uh, we normally preach for a lot of different beers. Uh, but these aren't like German-focused beers where a lot of the specialty characters, the the depth of character, come from long boils or decoctions or anything like that. A lot of them traditionally are, um, you know, they're single infusion mashed. However, a lot of this, you know, this style will still ramp mash, which we talked about ramp, ramp mashing last week. Um, so we'll still mash these in low, but we will develop a lot of the character from specialty malts. And so it's not like, you know, let's say a Doppelbach where we can make a Doppelbach, a single malt and still make it, you know, 16 SRM or Love Bond. SRM? SRM. SRM, Love yeah. Bond. I, you know, one of those. <clears throat> Brains. EBC? Yeah. EBC. 16 uh, EBC. Yeah. Uh, yeast in the beast, should it have a hint of discontent? I don't know exactly about discontent, but it should have a hint of, ah, look what we can do without your hops. And it's more delicious. Maybe, right. Maybe. That. Um, yeah. Uh, and the process, and when it's saying never the process, the next line in here, uh, burning malt or wort sugars via kettle caramelization is not traditional, nor is it blatantly butterscotch character. I know I talked about a little bit of that coming through, but like Peter was saying, this isn't a Doppelbach. You're not boiling for two hours. You're not boiling for an hour and a half. You're boiling for an hour on that. You're not getting a ton of it out of there, but that still doesn't mean you're getting these sweet caramely flavors from caramel malts, because that you shouldn't. That's the wrong sweetness. That's right. All special X. All special X. Bump, bump, bump. And a squid of roasted barley. Mm, yeah, or like crava. But uh, most frequently a draft product. Uh, and one of those reasons for the lower carbonation and serving it on real ale, cask, nitro scotches are delicious. If you guys are not serving your scotches on nitro, you should do it. Uh, smoke characters, any inappropriate, again, and we're going to keep hitting on that, Any uh, as any found traditionally would have come from the water rather than any peat smoked malt, rather than any peat smoke, it would be the water that came out of the ground 
might have a little bit of peatiness if it was found in there, which it shouldn't be. And here's the last line for this. Scottish ales with smoked character should be entered as a classic style smoked beer. Um, characteristic ingredients originally used in uh, Scottish pale malts, uh, grits or flaked maize, uh, brewer's caramel for color. Uh, again, we kind of stay away from all that and so we go our... Uh, our own, I think, more elevated route. Um, but if you're talking about, uh, um, like, when I think of Brewer's Caramel, I think about the newcastle kind of flavor. You know well, how Newcastle has, like, that caramel, like, artificial caramel put in there? Um, that's what I think of. And so we obviously like to stay away from that. And you can get that from just yeast production and, you know, getting all your color from the right specialty molds. Uh, and it's actually a little bit further down here that I like that they separated this out. Brewer's Caramel for color. Brewer's Caramel, not Brewer's Caramel Malt, Brewer's Caramel mm -hmm. for color. Later adapted to use additional ingredients such as amber and brown malts, crystal and wheat malts, roasted grains, dark sugars for cuddle, uh, eh, for color, sorry. but not for roasty flavor. Yeah, the dark sugars and roasted grains are not for the flavor. They're for the color in there. But they were using an actual thing that was caramel rather than using the crystallized malts. Yeah. And you can use brown sugar in this, and we we have before, but usually we save our brown sugar for if we're doing a higher – or a higher uh, – let's say we're doing a wee heavy. Um, mm -hmm. So we want the extra alcohol from that as well. So that's the time that we might think of, about using brown sugar. But for the most part, since we do our mash at such a low temperature mm -hmm. and we do the ramping mash – um, usually our beers end up very, very attenuative. And so if we were to use brown sugar or a sugar adjunct, which are traditional, um, then that sugar adjunct would actually bring this into too dry of a world. And so uh, we like to play around with more intense malts that get us that same character. Again, we mentioned Special X and Special B. We like to play around with those more intense malts to get us the same kind of effect. Uh, Tom Overton, molasses. Molasses will be an awesome thing to add in. It's going to add a little bit of rumminess to it, but that's going to fall in the dark sugar category, especially if you're using a more aggressive molasses like Blackstrap. Uh, I can't say that without thinking of Bootstrap Bill. Um, <laughs> if you're using a Blackstrap molasses, there is a lot of roasty character in that, so it needs to be used very restrained to not pick up the roasty character in the final beer. Um, um, they do mention that uh, 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 clean or slightly fruity yeast is appropriate. Uh, we've talked about the yeast before that we use, but we use the classic Scotch yeast, which is a Scotch ale and wine yeast. It's tartan in um, Imperial. Uh, I think it's also Scotch uh, yeast and White and, Labs. And, and White Labs. Um, but that's the, the classic yeast, and I like it because that temperature range is so wide, and it's easy to ferment. It's a good fermenter at a low temperature, so it's easy to get that clean flavor. And then just a touch of fruitiness when you ramp up your temperature towards the end of fermentation. Yeah. Last line in here, peat smoked malt is inauthentic and inappropriate. I think what they're saying is try to use as much peat smoked malt and smoked malt in these as possible. It's almost like we wrote this. Yeah. <laughs> it's starting to feel like it right now. Uh, and again, that doesn't mean that you can't make a Scotch beer, or Scottish beer with smoked malt into it and taste it's just a different very beer. delicious. Yeah. It's just not a traditional Scottish beer. Uh, and I think that really comes from a disconnect, especially in the American brewing scene that we had a bunch of years uh, because people were jerks in the 30s and took away all our booze. So most of our small breweries died. Uh, we lost sight of a lot of traditional styles at that time because, you know, somebody would come to your house with an axe, put it all over the floor, and then you would cry. Uh so we lost a lot of those things. And a lot of Americans hear scotch and they think, oh, that's got to be smoky because scotch whiskey is smoky. And you're like, 
Well, you're right that Scotch whiskey is smoky, but this is Scotch beer. Um, Scotch beer. Yeah, you know. So that's uh, that's uh, that's what we got on that. Styles, um, it's like a wee heavy but much smaller. Like I said, it can go down to 3.96%. I think most of the rest of the, the stats we've done. Um, yeah, commercial examples, they have a Pelican beer in there. I know, the Pelican. Mock Pelican, Pelican Scottish-style ales. I... Uh, and Pelican is great. If you guys don't get Pelican where you're at, you should seek it out because it's delicious. They do and a also, super duper job. Pelican, you should send us more beer. Uh, Daniel us corrected more beer. us. Uh, WLP028 is Edinburgh slash Scottish Ale East. We don't use White Labs very much anymore. Yeah. It would, they're a fine yeast <clears throat> company on it, but we just like to get as fresh as possible, and there's a few closer places to get it to us a little quicker. Yeah. Plus, people that we think are cooler because they sent us T-shirts. Omega, by the, Omega, Omega, by the way, send us some more T-shirts. Oh God, yes, Omega, you need to send us the Lacto T-shirt. Yes, if you haven't oh, made so it, good. you need to make it and send it to us. And also the Cosmic Punch, please. Uh, three points to anybody who emails Omega and says, "By the way, the the Genius Boys were asking for T-shirts on their live stream." You you get a uh, level up at fifty points. Yeah. Uh, and you evolve at level 16, just yeah. like Charmander. Only uh, if you want to, though. You know, you can live out your days just at 16. Yeah, I mean, let us, or if you go to level 16 and then you want us just to press B, we can do that, too. We can, and what does that do? It stops the evolution. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I think there's also a Everstone. I can give you an Everstone, too. Let's go on to All topic right. number one. I, I, obviously, <laughs> I played a lot of Pokemon. Uh, hot blends right. for winter seasonals. I'm really excited about this topic because it's a topic that is, uh, I've always thought, really fun to play around hey, with. Hey, 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 hey. We Here touched hey. on a little bit on it, but all right. Topic number one, we're going to get into that, but we only, our beer, our malt, our yeast, the hops of the weeds oh, yeah. on this. We picked our yeast out. I said the, I said the malt. Yeah, the, the yeast is 100% going to be the Scottish Ale, the Tartan. I love Tartan for so many things. It's great to use uh, in stouts. Out of water. Great Tartan. to use in blonde beers, actually. We made a Scottish blonde with it once. That was amazing. He went for Halcyon on Malt of the Week. I'm going to go. I, I like it. I love it. I'm going to go a little more traditional in Golden Promise. Uh Golden Promise is really nice. Going to get you some nice color on that. It's going to be a little bit more robust of a malt than Halcyon is. Uh, not quite as grainy. A little bit more intensely malty, mm -hmm. I guess it would be the right word for that. I so, do like me some ILA scotch. Both. reading things. Yeah. Both of them, actually wonderful. I don't like ILA. You know, that's... It's my favorite. It's... Only actually, I can't say that. A Lagavulin 15 is just amazing. Yeah, amazing. Uh, although I will say the Balvenie Doublewood is probably. Uh, I used to have a bunch of that. Yeah, yeah. Why didn't I have more scotch at the brewery or at the Steel Barrel? Well, because you were kind of forced into tequilas and mezcals, which I'm not necessarily. I do against. like I do like me some mezcals and some good tequilas. You, you had far too many tequilas that weren't varied enough and the best yeah i had a lot of anyways going on to uh, uh hops of the week you already, you already yeah, yeah, well want? hops of the week this is going to be a little bit different for this one i know we said a uh, traditional english style well i am it i love well i am it for a scottish that's my favorite 
Oh, it's man. one of my favorite. Uh, honestly, it's one of my favorite ops of all time. But Willamette's fun because it's it's got a uh, it's got a lot of the classic English grassiness that you kind of expect, the earthiness. Um, but Willamette also, to me, finishes a little bit on the sweet side, which I think really really leans into. Uh, and again, you're not gonna remember you're not tasting your your hops on these, and if you do, they should be in that earthy kind of English world. Um, but very restrained. Yeah, very restrained. But a subtle bit of that sweetness that I think comes off of Willamette really pushes into that malt leaning character that you're aiming for. So I think they actually blend really well into this style. Yeah, uh, you know, and it's uh, a member of the cult of Ardbeg. I'm probably saying that wrong. Ardbeg! No, don't even do that. Ardbeg. Don't make fun of me. Don't come after me for that. I'm apologizing for the horribles right now. But if uh, we become a cult of Ardbeg by drinking something, you should send it to us, and then we will definitely join the membership, uh, especially if it's like whiskey. Yeah. Whiskey or mezcal? Uh, smoky liquids. Willamette, though. Willamette is awesome. I'm agreeing with Peter. It's one of my favorite hops out there. Uh, it comes from Fugel, actually. Yeah. Um, so you're getting that really nice English parentage, but being grown over here in the United States, it took it a little bit more citrusy, which I think would pair beautifully with a beer like this. Uh, Greg H, would Nugget be appropriate? Uh, and actually, I think Nugget would be appropriate. I think Nuggets, Nugget to me is like slightly less pungent, uh, high alpha Willamette flavor-wise. Um, uh, I get generally a sweet leaning uh, hop feel for it. And so, yeah, I think Nugget kind of leans into the same thing. You just have to use less of it, so you're not going to taste it as much as, as you would if you were to use that entire IBU range in, in Willamette. Uh, yeah. But yeah, again, you're not supposed to taste the hops anyway, so. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things where it's a moot point. In most of our Scottishes, I use something so low that you're not going to be able to perceive it or use something really high alpha acid and very low percentages. Magnum's one of my favorite. So is Warrior, just because they're indistinct on that. Warrior! Warrior! Warriors! Someone mentioned uh, what we think about the uh, Highlanders uh, series coming back with Henry Cavill in it. And I got to say, I'm kind of for that. I uh, I enjoy Henry Cavill as an actor. I think I think he's got a great presence, and uh, yeah, I'd watch him. Uh, I mean, for the love of God, could we at least have a Spaniard that doesn't speak in a Scottish accent? Uh, no, Sean Connery was amazing, and I would never replace him for that role. But Sean Connery. Oh, yeah, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a king of sp- I can't do it right We're now. the best accents on YouTube by far. Um, I can't, I'm from Spain. <laughs> Speak with a pure Spanish accent. No, that's so a- horrible. Aoster. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Willamette and SO4 or Nottingham work fantastic together. Isn't Willamette also the basey? Base bassy? Willamette used my bud, my budweiser. Um, isn't Willamette? Uh, the, uh, oh. But yes, yeah, Willamette and SO4. Yeah, we're, we're great. Uh, Daniel, Patrick, no bad Patrick. You keep the cult away from this place. Everybody knows Lefroig is a better choice. Oh, no. No frog's breath. I cannot not do the frog's breath. Oh, I like Man, I cannot do the frog's breath. Uh, Lefroig is one of those ones that I really... Uh, so Lefroig 10 is like the most common Lefroig that I see in bars. And I had it in probably three out of the first five bars that I worked at. And so I was like, oh, yeah, Lefroig, just what scotch tastes like. To me, it kind of tasted Band-Aid-y. Um, but that said, I've had Lefroig has a quarter cask. 
um, that was like super extra oaky. And I think that oakiness kind of like popped up the the band-aidy flavor or like didn't pop it up it like it subdued the it, it overwhelmed the band-aidy flavor and so that the quarter cask is pretty good i made the worst mistake of my life with scotch with lafroig lafroig 28 um so oh, I mean, you go you got the expansion lafroig i didn't get it my sister got it we were in a okay i love this place uh whiskey bar in seattle and you know what I, they gave me so much free stuff it was awesome i love that they have a great selection it was a really cool bar to go into i really suggest go drinking there if you're over there it was fun uh but my sister uh got a little for 28 and she took one sip and said oh no oh no 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 and then her and her uh, husband left and they left a full pour of Laphroaig 28 on the table. And me being me, it's like, I'm not gonna leave this here, but I had quite a few cocktails before that. Uh, and we were leaving and I'm like, no, they're not leaving good whiskey, good scotch on the table like that. So I shot it and yes. that was absolutely horrible. And the only thing I could taste for the rest of the night. Oh man, that was not worth it. It was delicious though, but no, no Laphroaig. I'm going Lagavulin 15. Uh, I can or, see that. Yeah. Oh, who was it? Um, McAllen 15. Triple cask. Now that was delicious. Just say you like bourbon. Um, <laughs> McAllen 15 is a suit. It's, it's the bourbon of the Scotch world. I know. I love bourbon. <laughs> I love that they aged it in bourbon barrels. And I love that extra little character coming off of that sweetness in there. Really? But I mean, yeah. Okay. Uh, Greg H. Nugget is great. I used it in a wee heavy, nice woody ginger accents uh, as a bittering addition. Um, and all I got to say about that is everyone loves a ginger with a woody. Uh, Earthbound again. I live in Tennessee and Kentucky on the Tennessee-Kentucky border, so I have access to some whiskey. We would take Does that it. mean we have access to I some mean, whiskey? I mean, you can send it. You, it, it ships. Topic number one. All right, Hot here we go. Hot for winter seasonals. Uh, again, something I'm super excited for because this is something that I found when I was younger and I just really enjoyed kind of everyone thinks you're in one hop world or the other and there's some really nice blends you can do to make you have a whole different world of hops available to you. So my first and probably my most common one that I do in a lot of my winter seasonals, especially if I'm like kind of pairing them with a, a sprucey body or if I'm gonna add like some juniper, um, I love the Simcoe Northern Brewer combo. That actually would be a great combo for a uh, winter warmer or a spruce beer. Uh, and then honestly, a winter IPA. Mm -hmm. um, what I classify as a winter IPA basically would be a Northwest IPA, but with just a little bit more body as well as alcohol. Not sweetness, but body mm -hmm. and alcohol. That's right. Um, um, you, with, uh, with Simcoe Northern Brewer com combo, you get that piney, woody, kind of minty, especially from the Northern Brewer uh, blend. It's got some fruitiness from the Simcoe, some, natu some natural fruitiness. Uh, and Simcoe is always going to have a little bit of pungence, but when you kind of dilute it a little bit with Northern Brewer, so to speak, it really kind of cools off the overall impression and leaves you thinking, you know, uh, evergreen needles in the middle of winter. Um, and I like to, if I want to put it in that IPA range, add a little bit of Chinook for that extra mm. evergreen kind of punch or something along the lines that's gonna get you extremely piney in there. Uh, honestly, I mean- throwing, Sequoia is a new hop that we could probably oh, throw it at that mix. Sequoia or evergreen. Actually, Sequoia is a little bit more fruity than you think it is, but evergreen, you throw evergreen in with Simcoe and Northern Brewer and 
that that with just a little bit darker maybe a 7.8 percent ipa would just be amazing as a winter ipa and those are newer ones that are uh, i think those are bsg proprietary they are they're both hot blends but phenomenal phenomenal hot blends if you want to create a classic northwest style ipa use sequoia and use evergreen and it'll be it'll be perfect but for winter warmers that blend with northern brewer because that mintiness kind of cools it off and it makes you think of like again uh evergreen trees in 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 the middle of of an early snow um simcoe northern brewer and then if you want that extra ipa in it throw in one of those uh evergreen chinook sequoia something like that yeah uh, you know, I would honestly say if you're going to go for a little bit different, uh, maybe like uh, winter pale ale, I wouldn't be remiss throwing a little bit of fugle in there for that extra oh, yeah. like green tea, minty punchiness. Yeah, I think fugle blends in really well with that same combo. Ooh, you know, the Simcoe Northern Brewer and then back it up with fugle into like a Belgian pale ale. Um, oh, yeah. But make it just <clears throat> a, a scotch, maybe like two percent of a special b into that for just a little bit of fruitiness that would be an awesome awesome the, winter the subtle clove kind of like maybe just a like not big clove flavor but a yeah. tiny bit of clove to kind of back cool from fermented or arden yeah. i think arden would be better arden probably much ardennes are oh, nine times yeah. out of ten arden is our choice for yeah. belgium it's just so delicious um, uh, the second hot blend i have reminds me of thanksgiving and it's, it's what I think of when I think of Thanksgiving. I think of fall. I think of, like, all the colors you use for, you know, making your turkey in kindergarten class. Um, and that is Columbus Mountain Hood combo. Oh, man. Like, this Columbus, Willamette, Mount Hood, you throw those three together, and that might be my favorite hop combo of all time. Those might be three of my favorite hops of all time. Columbus mm. is probably my favorite hop out there. It is very closely followed by Mount Hood. Yeah. Um, most of the time, then through my brewing career, I've been after more aggressive beers. So Columbus has sat at the top. But I, honestly, if I sat down to think about it, Mount Hood might might be my favorite. Mount Hood goes in a lot of our beers. It's, it's so versatile. You can make a Pilsner out of it. And if you get aggressive, you can make an IPA out of it. It goes in Belgians really well. But the Columbus Mount Hood combo, let's talk specifically about that. Autumn, fall, pungent with browning leaves grass browning leafs grassiness yeah a brown leaf uh in there and that's kind of different when you think about this i mean columbus most people are using it's a sea hop you're using that in big ipas big old beers but columbus is actually a really nice soft versatile hop if you use it right yeah and when you uh back it up with that mount hood it's got that uh, it's already got that almost lemony uh classic grassiness um without being that green grassiness and so you're not thinking of like uh fresh vegetal matter you're thinking of uh you know the in my mind it's that autumn kind of you know, when you first start smelling the leaves turning it's that kind of uh, of grassiness mm-hmm or plantiness plantiness well you know it's not fresh cut grass but it's that really nice crispy damp grass that you haven't cut in you know three or four weeks because it's fall time and it's not growing anymore yeah uh if you have fall i guess yeah I guess, yeah it might you not know, it might if, not be the same to everybody if you live in arizona and you have rocks for a lawn the uh, probably different probably different uh but that nice fall crispiness going into there Columbus can be very, very, very orangey, as well as being mm. dank. 
So uh, having that really nice dankness in there with the Mount Hood spiciness is kind of what's giving you that crispiness, that fall leaf crispiness. Yeah. Um, it, and just as a combo, it's, it's it's exactly what it reminds me. And there's, uh, I'm trying to think of beers that actually uh, like exemplify what this is. Um, but there's a couple of like there's a couple of fall IPAs that I know that are out there that I'm blanking on right now that really mm. exemplify what this is. I want to say one of them was New Belgium. But I, I'm completely yeah. blanking what it New is. New Belgium had one, uh, and New Belgium is very distinct for having biscuity beers. I will also say that. Yeah. Um, which I enjoy, especially in their IPAs. I do enjoy because they use the biscuit right in there, and it's not just yeah. awkward. Uh, there's a couple of them. There were a few of them that were like that. Uh, Fremont. I don't know if Columbus and Mount Hood were in it. Fremont used to do a beer called uh, Bonfire. Oh yeah, bonfire. And that it was slightly smoked, but it, that had that perfect quality. When you drank it, you're just like, "This is this is it." I mean, I'm around a fire on a cold, you know, autumn day, something maybe October, beginning of November. It's cold outside, but fire's warm and the beer tastes great. Yeah. Ah, Fremont, bring that beer back and send us some. Um, so anyways, that's Columbus Mountain Hood for you. Uh, the last one I put is Equinot Ernie kind of fruity hop, uh, but with Willamette. And I did this because, uh, like well, we talked about Willamette before, Willamette kind of leans into a sweetness. It's got a nice earthiness that leans into a sweetness that you can put a lot of fruitier hops, such as Equinot, on. And that is a really good base. So if you're adding a brighter uh, berry or anything, if you want a hoppier presence in your beer, um, to make a fall flavor. And so if you're adding, let's say, uh, tea leaves, if you're adding juniper, um, cranberry, this mm. can go really good with. Uh, but a lot of those fruits that are going to lean into a seasonal style beer, this is a good hop base to put on top of without without overpowering it and being entirely its own flavor i like the equinot being in there equinot is that's one of my favorite hops and we're hitting a lot of our favorite hops right now yeah we are. Uh, i like it as a fruity hop actually because it has a green pepper corn taste to it it says a green pepper as a uh, descriptor i would personally call it rather than the vegetal green pepper more of a green pepper corn you're getting a little bit of that vegetal, but you're also getting some of that peppercorn spice coming out of it. Mm -hmm. It's a great, great hop to really uh, go with fruits. You can make some really good fruity stuff out of it. You can make some really good bitter components out of that one. Uh, pairing it up with a little lamet um, and going into more of the Christmas spice, I mean like a cranberry juniper or a cranberry spruce beer, I would also say Bramling Cross with Willamette. Oh yeah, it's been that a while would, since you used that one. Mm, Bramling Cross is an underused hop and it, it it's kind of got that same quality as Equinot where it can be very fruity but a little more red berry fruity like blackcurrant uh, and still have some of those really nice English spiciness to it which is going to blend in well with the Willamette the Lamet, like we talked about earlier, is a little bit spicy, a little bit orange, a little bit minty, but not quite minty. Uh, blend in great with that. That That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're kind of getting close to wrapping things up, and I'm saying that only because we got people coming in for football right at 10. And uh, so we'll answer any questions you guys got. But in the meantime, let's go some speed round. Since we got Thanksgiving coming, coming up, what are our... 
Thanksgiving food to beer pairings that we're going for. And we're going to start with mashed potatoes. Uh, depending on how you do your mashed potatoes, because you can have like super garlicky or you can also have like super, you know, juiced up with sweet stuff. Uh, I've done balsamic in my mashed potatoes. It's super good. Mm. Um, but uh, uh, mashed potatoes, if you're going that garlicky, brighter side, cream ale. I, I would say for kind of your classic mashed potato uh, in there, a little salt, a little pepper, a little butter, um, hitting the garlic, hitting a little bit more savory side. Maybe you threw some rosemary in there. Uh, or if you're smart, Spiceologies, because <laughs> I'm going to plug them again. That's right. Uh, Spiceologies Mediterranean seasoning is stupid good. Pair that up with a little black truffle salt. Ah, uh, yes. But... Cream ale, that's a perfect one for this. The cream ale is going to really complement the mashed potatoes well in mouthfeel. Uh, the sweetness next to the herbaceousness of the mashed potatoes is going to be awesome for that. But it's also going to really help clean off your palate. And that's kind of an important thing that I want to hit on in Thanksgiving beers is you're are eating so many rich foods that to have something nice and light and refreshing like a cream ale is going to be great to cut through that and really, uh, you know, keep you eating yeah it's the base it's the base of your plate plus cream is gonna be lower alcohol so i don't know about you guys but i drink a lot on thanksgiving so it's kind of good to have something lower uh steve agamemnon says that 4.5 months old are apparently needy um yeah weird huh yeah you know and nobody tells you that to in the beginning and the people who know and don't tell you, I think, should be punched in the throat at least once. Yeah, making kids is super fun. Making kids making is also kids. pretty easy, at least as far as, you know, whenever I made it, it was pretty easy. Yeah, I mean, it hit. It hit I don't know if anyone right else had there. a harder time producing the kid. but Yeah. Uh, Steve, hit us with a quick cream ale grain recipe. Uh, Halcyon, throw that with uh, some global... Um, Lager yeast, 3470, would also uh, work really well. Ferment it a little bit warmer with Mount Hood or Willamette or both as your hopping schedule. And yep. bam, away you go. Uh, did I say a malt in there? You said Halcyon. Yeah, yeah. Halcyon would be you, perfect it, for Yeah, that. you could do it as a single malt. If you wanted to add some adjunct, and it's not necessary to add adjunct, as long as your water chem is good. I'll also say water chem, make sure that you're mashing in at the right pH. Um, but uh, um, if you were to add an adjunct, corn would go. Corn. We have corn and rice in one of ours, but yeah, I like I like rice because it lightens the body and smooths it <clears> out. And the corn fruitiness to me is not it's not something I enjoy. He loves corn in it because he likes that corn fruitiness and he likes that little extra bit. So you know, Nocturnal Brewer, you said rye IPA will be ready for the turkey, and you are ahead of me. Yeah, um, uh, the next one. Well, somebody stuff, already stuffing. in there. Uh, brown ale with your turkey dinner. Well, this is one of the things a match. It's a complementary to the full turkey dinner, but we paired it up with stuffing. Yeah, brown ale with stuffing because you got a little bit of that roastiness. Brown ale should be medium high to hoppy, um, so they're not going to be super IPA y hoppy. They're going to be well balanced, uh, but they should have enough aggression to um, cut through the fattiness in stuffing. Yeah, and depending on what type, if you're going, you know, for a sweet brown, a nut brown, uh, English northern brown, I like the uh, the northern brown, not the nut brown to go with this, but the nut brown to go with stuffing, especially if you do like a hazelnut stuffing, also, your stuffing, when you cook your stuffing, get some of Rogue's hazelnut rum, throw it in there, it's going to be awesome, or the hazelnut brown, yeah. and then have the hazelnut brown with the stuffing. There you go. The hazelnut brown, brown, hazelnut rum, put it all into a drop shot and then yeah, chug it the while you chug some stuffing. of the stuffing plus some of that roastiness of the brown ale is going to be perfect on there. We're trying to rush through it a little bit. Sorry if we're going on there. Ask us questions if you need to. Turkey. Now, this is a fun one because this can go all over the place. You got a little ahead of us with the rye IPA, but turkey, we're going to pair up sour, 
or an IPA. So you want uh, something that's going to be big and assertive kind of no matter what direction you went. But on your turkey, if you went uh, more of a uh, slow smoked and then finished with a nice caramelized browning on the outside, mm. then that sour is going to be the best thing to, to cut through that because you got both the sweetness and uh, that bland meatiness mm. that comes from just, you know, being a bird. Um, and so you want something that's going to be really keep you salivating uh, to punch through the sweetness, but also when you're on that drier part, the white meat of the bird. It doesn't have to be dry if you cooked it right. So, yeah. But the the less flavored part, you want that extra flavor to be building. You've got to have something to kind of carry the whole thing through. But if you went kind of the more traditional route, just big turkey, maybe with butter and, you know, you have your stuffing in it, that's what we said the IPA goes good with. Yeah. Well, the sour is also awesome for all of that. Like we're talking about getting something to cut through all of the richness and really reset your palate from all these big, rich foods into that. Ooh, there's that nice sour kick. Think of cranberries. I mean, cranberries are literally, I mean, beyond being delicious. They're on your plate for that exact reason, that high acid content to cut through all that richness. Uh, And that can go really well. I mean, if you did something like uh, maple bourbon brine for your bird, that sour is going to be beautiful. I like the idea of rye IPA. Yeah, I think rye is good because you got the little extra breadiness and spiciness to, to kind of build on everything. But you, either way, you want something that's very, very flavorful with your turkey. Like it's got to keep you eating and drinking. And in IPA, uh, I think personally, I would probably stay away from juicy, especially most Oh yeah, we're going, we're going aggressive. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't be remiss in actually going double or imperial where it mm-hmm. still has some of that sweet malt body, but it has such that aggressive bitterness that it's going to cut through that. This is more of a bitter IPA situation. Let's say you made a ham. Let's say ham is your thing like Tim. Big um, ass spiraled ham. You coated it with bourbon and cherry juice. And then and that's what you did. That's what you smoked. So let's say you got ham as your uh, as your uh, your meat. Um, I said beer to guard or an ambery lager. Uh, I like both of these, actually. Um, we'll get to you, uh, Ricardo. One second on there. You got a good question. Yeah, and thank uh, you so much for the super chat. Woo! Uh, the beer to guard, the beer to guard being super, super dry, having that sweet malt aspect and that tiny bit of funk is really going to cut through that salty, salty fattiness of the ham. Uh, and depending on what you put onto it too, like me doing the cherry bourbon glaze onto it, it's really going to blend in great with that beer to guard. It's going to bring out a lot of the sweet cherry notes, that tartness going in there, the bourbon oakiness. That's going to be awesome. Or if you went, you know, with your traditional Christmas ham and you got clothes shoved in it everywhere. Uh, I almost made, I almost made an apricot baked spam for <laughs> Thanksgiving. My wife stopped me. Uh, I'd been down you for can it. all thank her for that. It still looks like it could be okay. But if you went for that traditional clove, the beer de garde, once again, being a relative to Saison, uh, is going to grab that into its nice big old maltiness and just really nice be a perfect pairing with it. If you want to cut through it a little bit more, the ambery uh, lager uh, on that, I mean, my mind traditionally goes to uh, something like Maybach, but I think a little bit in the Bach realm, keeping a little bit of that sweetness. Um, Ricardo, so dark beer for white meat and light beer for, beer for dark meat. I'm guessing you're talking about for the turkey, but correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I guess that the white meat and the dark meat on the turkey would have different uh, different pairings. I'm thinking of everything in the in the light meat world, which would be that's where I was thinking when I did. And with the skin, the sour, and the IPA uh, for mm. the dark meat, that's kind of in the middle for me. I would say the dark meat's more falling back onto the brown ale. 
That could be, I mean, because it's so rich and fatty going through there, uh, so intense. I'm still on sour. If you yeah. have yourself a really nice creek uh, or a cherry lambic, that is going to be beautiful for the light and the dark meat going in there. Uh, because you have so much richness in the uh, actual dark meat itself, I think this is one of them you could go into a beard guard or amber lager. Uh, and actually be really successful uh, in that pairing with that. I yeah. think dark beers, unless it's something like a Schwarzbier, uh, something that's a really nice, light, less roasty dark beer, you're going to get a little too aggressive for the fattiness of the dark meat. Yeah. Um, and if you are talking about a different kind of, if you're talking about like actual different meats, then just let us know. Yeah. Um, um, Earthbound again. Thoughts on Brambling Cross in an Irish Red? Yes, definitely yeah, do it. Absolutely. Keep it very low and try and hit more in the black current realm. Yeah. Sweet potatoes. Mm, I went Martzen on that. And I'm talking, actually, I'm going more like American style Oktoberfest than just like your traditional Martzen. Yeah. Um, but I want uh, I want something that's going to be a little bit malty and a little bit, uh, and we could also see like a, like a Bach or a Doppelbach going good in Both that same range. Those. Scottish. Yeah. A Scottish could go beautiful with a sweet potato. How are you cooking your sweet, sweet potato? Are we talking like a, just a sweet potato baker here? Are you making sweet potato mash? So I so what I'm absolutely not doing is that mashed sweet potatoes that's got the melted marshmallows and all the excess sweetness. No, if you mm, they don't mind excess sweetness because that's kind of what I do. Uh, but if you put marshmallows on your sweet potatoes, I will not. I mean, I will make fun of you. I will eat them. I'll scrape the marshmallows off, throw them at you, and then be like, what I mean, WTF? It's a sweet potato. Right. The sweetness should come from the potato. Yes. Well, there's good stuff on that. Okay, I interrupted you on that. The way that I make them is bourbon and maple. Oh yeah, bourbon yeah, and maple. Yeah, and that's literally you need the aggression. It. You need the well, you need the extra. Yeah, you need but you need the, all that extra richness and goodness. But marshmallow is like a flat sweetness. It's that's like uh that's like the cake frosting. That's like the powdered sugar cake frosting. No, oh, royal no icing. No, yeah. Royal, I love royal icing. You can get the hell away from me with buttercream frosting. That, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Anyways. But, sorry, I interrupted you on the way. How are you cooking your sweet potatoes? Uh, I, I, I'm only going to say I'm very, very buttery. I'm very, sometimes I use like mm. cayenne pepper. Um, bourbon and cayenne pepper, I think, are good, good kind of pairings. But I, I want, uh, yeah, I want some spice and some aggression to go with it. Yeah. And most of the time, I'm not hitting it as spicy just because my family can't handle spice. Uh, I want to spice them out with black pepper. What, uh, do you, what do you drink when watching the Lions lose? <laughs> uh, <laughs> beer. Uh, I mean, you know, Bud Light, because why does it matter? That's kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> My first thought was like, ah, <laughs> a 32 ounce of Coors Light. Because, you know, who cares? Uh, that's right. That's right. I mean, whatever I can get my hands on. Uh, all right. Well, uh, the sweet potatoes. I love the Marzen on that. I think Beer de Garde could go really well, too, or even uh, a more robust Saison. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of funk could be all right, but I think it, you're right on it. You need some big, bold maltiness without going too sweet on the malts. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's why I said the American version of a Oktoberfest. But, uh, yeah, Martin or Doppelbach, are kind of, that's kind of where my th head is thinking. Speaking yeah. of going into bigger beers, let's talk about the king of Thanksgiving. The most important reason you go to Thanksgiving, and that's the pumpkin pie. Well, I'm just going to – all pie. I'm going to throw it in there. I mean, I, I like pumpkin pie. I'm a pie – Dude, if you want to make me more happy, don't send me beer or whiskey. Uh, you can leave mezcal on there, but send me <laughs> pie. 
I love pie. I love all kinds of pie. I mean, if it is in pie form, I will eat it. I don't care if it's a savory pie, like chicken pot pie or turkey pot pie, mincemeat, hand pies. Oh, hand pies are so good. I can't wait for Emrys. <laughs> but pie, pumpkin pie is why everybody's there. But with your choice, I, I, I am going to include all pies into it. Uh, best pairing with pumpkin pie is a barley wine. Barley wine uh, for me a big old english style barley wine it's the nightcap uh you're finishing off everything right you got the pumpkin pie sweetness you got that gordy kind of you know vegetal flavor you need something big that's gonna that's gonna sit on top of it and just be like a good compliment yeah the spices that are uh, in the pumpkin pie uh also will go really well with the nice big residual sweetness that's in there me personally i'll probably be leaning towards an english barley wine or especially an old ale english old ale with that little bit of funk uh would be great the american barley wine is also great because when you have that high bitterness to it, that really helps cut through the richness and sweetness of the pies. Uh, beyond that, cherry pie, my favorite. Cherry pie is going to go so beautifully with barley wine. It's going to be incredible. Uh, absolutely incredible. I would also throw out there uh, quads. So port wine. Port wine. Yeah. I would say in the beer world, the quads are kind of like my backing up a port wine. Like port wine port and quads, quads are kind of in the same flavor yeah, realm to me. It's depending. I mean, I'm talking about like a tawny port. Yeah, a Graham's 20-year at least. <laughs> uh, if you can get the 40, send it to me, and I will drink so much of that. I love that stuff so much. I got a four-ounce pour once at uh, Northern Quest Casino. Oh, nice. We're having cigars, and I order a Graham's 20-year, and apparently stunned that I would gra uh, order that with a cigar because, you know, people don't do that. And she gave me a full glass, I mean, to the rim of the glass, which I appreciated because alcohol, but I'm also like, I can't drink this much port right now. <laughs> Uh, barley wine, uh, amazing for all of those. I like the Belgian Strongs going with that too. The quad would be amazing for uh, the desserts. Uh, but barley wine, you need that digestive. You need that to, you know, really get everything flowing, kind of, you know, relax. And, get the juices uh, flowing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, just a couple right. more questions. We got uh, Jimmy Coors just started mashing my Christmas beer based on a brown ale. Any last-minute advice on spices? If you're using cinnamon or clove, you got to cook them before if you're adding them in secondary. Um, don't use too much clove. Um, also, don't use too much cinnamon. Clove is the easy one to overdo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, tinctures are your friend. They are so easy to make. It's also they are so easy to uh not overdo anything on so pumpkin pie and dry stout oh i'm gonna take this back so like bourbon barrel aged stouts will also go amazing with pumpkin pie but it's that bourbon anus that's gonna be great absolutely great for it if you don't overload your pumpkin pie with whipped cream first of all you're a psychopath Nah. Then, then I can see. Then I can see the dry stout being a, a good pairing. The dry stout might be good on on that. I will. I overload it with whipped cream, but I like whipped cream. So, uh, there was. It should be entirely covered in whipped cream. It should be entirely covered in whipped cream. You should not be able to see pie anymore, in my opinion, my humble opinion. Uh, there was one last. Uh, oh yeah, Earthbound again. Hard cider and the garlic glazed ham. I don't even care about the garlic. The hard cider is oh, something the that spi the spicy peach cider we got. Oh, spicy peach cider would be so amazing with ham. We have a spicy peach from Trailbreaker, and that would be incredible. 
But cider, that's something that we didn't hit on. The cider would be amazing with the ham. The cider would be amazing with the sweet potatoes. And then if you get something like a real scrumpy or an imperial cider, I would also put that with a pumpkin pie. All right. Uh, pecan pie and a triple IPA. I could see it. I could see it. All right, everybody. Thanks for uh, tuning in to, uh, with us. We're here for you every Sunday. If you didn't see us, that's because you missed us. Uh, so thank you for watching. Subscribe to our channel. Subscribe to Genus Not Brewing. Subscribe to all our Instagrams, our Facebook stuffs. Send us beer and whiskey and port and uh, 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 scotch and scotch. I think that's what we discussed today. And uh, we'll see you. See you next time after, you know, we're full and stuffed and eating leftovers. Oh,